I think they have to decide, are they willing to re-sign Mason Rudolph, who's a free agent and could potentially have some interest out there? You know, last year, nobody wanted Mason Rudolph. So mid-May, when nobody had come calling, he came back to the Steelers. I don't know that they're going to have the opportunity to wait till mid-May to make a decision on Mason Rudolph again. So do you really go into the the offseason, no Mitch Trubisky, which is fine. No one's going to miss him. And then Pickett and Rudolph, you know, in a, in a fair fight for the, for the starting job. Like you said, how bad do you have to be that the fans are rallying around Mason Rudolph? I mean, that's and, – and if, if the best you can put out there is Mason Rudolph, then you can do better. Welcome to the show. It's the Steelers Wire podcast. It's great to have you with us. Ryan O'Leary here, joined as usual by Kurt Popejoy, the managing editor of USA Today's Steelers Wire. We have unfortunately hit the offseason portion of our schedule now. Uh, and to ensure you don't miss any of our future content on NFL free agency in the draft, make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. We very much appreciate the support. We don't want you to miss any of our future stuff. We'll be back throughout the offseason and we hope you join us. Uh, I guess now, Kurt, folks should not only be hitting up Steelers Wire, but also Draft Wire, right? Because that's you'll be cranking on mock drafts now that we've hit the offseason. How you doing, man? Yeah. Now that the deadline's almost here for guys to declare, it's going to be draft season for everybody. So, yeah, we'll be, we'll be really busy out there over the next few months. So let's start here. Uh, Mike Tomlin walking off the podium. That was the big story after the Bills-Steelers mm-hmm. game. Kurt, uh, Tomlin reportedly telling his players – he plans to return in 2024. I'm not surprised. I've, I thought all along that Tomlin uh, was going to be back. And as we talked about last week, I think Tomlin deserves a ton of credit for giving Steelers fans a playoff game to watch uh, on what ended yeah. up being Monday, right? I think g- getting there uh, was a good thing. I also think Tomlin and the entire organization does deserve some blame, right? Because the overall product they put on the field in 2023 was just short of expectation, short of the standard in a lot of different ways. What we were expecting and talking about in the preseason, even though they made the playoffs, it didn't really come to fruition this year, did it? It just no, it, no. It, you, you kind of feel like they underachieved. It's a little bit of an empty feeling, even though none of us expected them to beat the Bills. You know, it's still an empty feeling coming out of that yeah. game. Well, you, you know, you give Tomlin credit for digging digging his way out of a hole that he dug, you know, on on some level. Um and I, and I am glad that he was able to kind of swallow his pride and, you know, fire Matt Canada and, and you know, and, and uh, keep Mason Rudolph in the starting lineup and those kinds of things. But ultimately, when when he and his coaches look back at this year and, and when the players look back at this year, you got to look at it as, yeah, we're glad we made the playoffs. But, boy, it was our fault we made it as difficult as it was to get there, you know. And I, I've heard mixed reviews. I've heard people say that, this season was better than what they had anticipated at the start of the year. Some people have said it's worse than what they anticipated. So I think it really kind of gives you a good idea that I don't think anyone knew really what you were going to get from Pittsburgh this year. Um, you know, there were, there were people, you know, predicting 11 wins, 12 wins at the start of the season. Um, you had others that were saying this was a six win team. I personally had them right around 500. I know that's a little cliche to say with a, a Mike Tomlin team, but uh, I felt like they were an eight or nine win team at the start of the season. So to come out as well as they did, I think they overachieved at least what my expectations were, but it's been interesting to kind of get a read for where people stand with it. Some people have said that they, they felt like the team should have been much better from the start of the year. Um, and others have said that, that 
it, it they they should have been much worse. And so, you know, either way, the season ended on a pretty low note, and and now there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah, and we're gonna dig into it. I I just think go back to that Buffalo game kind of a microcosm of the entire season, right, Kurt? Just yeah. guys dropping the ball, <laughs> critical turnovers, some of them unforced, guys missing or not finishing tackles all over the place, bouncing off of Josh Allen. Early in the game, Patrick Peterson has a chance to sack Josh Allen. Instead, he bounces off him, and he gets a first down. Oh. You know, it's just it's brutal. Uh, guys complaining to the media about the refs, George Pickens, yeah. uh, instead yeah. of taking accountability and problems with that player and other players uh, throughout the season. It was just a team that, felt like it fell short of the standard whether you thought they were going to be a 500 team six win team I was probably I was probably more around like 500 plus you know what I mean I thought I thought I had I had higher expectations I didn't think they'd be seven and four uh, at the time they were I thought that was pretty pretty good uh, trick that they pulled off there (laughs) to be seven to four I thought you know that record but I didn't think we'd look at the team and and say words like underachieving say words like soft I thought the effort at times the season was soft and and that's not what I expect from the Steelers. I don't expect the Steelers to go out there and look like the Miami Dolphins. Uh but no. They kind of looked like the Miami Dolphins out there. Uh it was a similar performance I thought. They just didn't it, they weren't that tough, hard-nosed discipline. We're not going to give it to you. You got to take it from us football team that we expect. They mm-hmm. they just they just weren't and in, and in, in that sense Kurt, I think they underachieved and fell short of the standard. For sure. They got to get that back. Uh, I don't know where that starts, sure. but they got to figure out how to get that back. Yeah, and, and I think they owe it to the fans who've been around a long time and have been through the highs and lows of this franchise. Um, they've got to figure out a way. And, and, you know, one of the things that really hurts them is the fact that there are so many former players, for, you know, former Steelers that now either work in media or are going on podcasts or have podcasts that are talking about this. They're talking about how things used to be. And that really puts a spotlight on on how far this team has kind of fallen, not just this year, but in the past couple of seasons, you know, you've seen the 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 drop off. And when you've got guys like Ben Roethlisberger and Ryan Clark out there just screaming it to anybody who will listen about how this is not Steelers football, then that, that, that puts a lot of pressure on the on the ownership and the team. To, to, to make some positive changes. But yeah, to your point about Buffalo, I mean, it really was. You know, you saw them play four really good weeks of football to get into the playoffs, and you just felt like the way the team had played all year, they were due for a letdown regardless of who the opponent was going to be. Mm-hmm. And and so to see, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick miss a key tackle and Patrick Peterson missing tackles and, you know, the – you could hear the announcers just talk about how uh, Cam Hayward's not on the field. They're going to run the ball and boom, they bust out a big run. You know, it was like, it was like everybody knew who could pull, who was there to play and who wasn't for Pittsburgh. And if, if everybody watching knew, then you knew Buffalo knew and they really just took advantage of that. Tomlin being back. No problem. I I think he deserves to continue if his heart's still in it. I have no problem with that at all, but obviously a lot needs to change. There's a lot to unpack heading into 2024. One of those things, one of those big, overarching questions Kurt is who's the quarterback because I think when you you just lay it out the major difference between Buffalo and Pittsburgh on Monday wasn't it obviously the quarterback you know what I mean it was it was the quarterback so we saw a lot of Kenny Pickett we saw some Mitch Trubisky that was all enough for us to fall in love with Mason Rudolph here at the end you know so that made everybody Mason Rudolph fans uh so 
It's not like Mason Rudolph was ever the savior. The fact is the Steelers kind of bailed on Pickett this season, right? He sprained his ankle. Uh, He tried to rush back, uh, got surgery. It was never given the chance. The hard truth here is it would be easy for the Steelers and the fan base to get behind Rudolph because Pickett didn't really play well. And it's hard to say he is the franchise guy right now, right? It was easy for us all to fall in love with Rudolph. So who's the quarterback in 2024, Kurt? Because if they just run it back with Pickett, it doesn't feel like that'll be enough. Could it be Rudolph and Pickett battling it out? I don't think that's going to be good enough. What do you think? I don't, I don't think it is either. I, I don't see any way that they can, for one thing, I, I don't think Mitch Trubisky will be around. I think they have to decide, are they willing to re-sign Mason Rudolph, who's a free agent and could potentially have some interest out there? You know, last year, nobody wanted Mason Rudolph. So mid-May, when nobody had come calling, he came back to the Steelers. I don't know that they're going to have the opportunity to wait till mid-May to make a decision on Mason Rudolph again. So do you really go into the the offseason, no Mitch Trubisky, which is fine. No one's going to miss him. And then Pickett and Rudolph, you know, in a, in a fair fight for the, for the starting job. Like you said, how bad do you have to be that the fans are rallying around Mason Rudolph? I mean, that's – and, and if, if the best you can put out there is Mason Rudolph, then you can do better. And, and they have to do better. And I think that whether it's a trade, whether it's free agency, whether it's the draft, Pittsburgh has to address the, the quarterback position. So when you say free agency, you're talking about a guy like a Kirk Cousins, Kirk, yeah, or, or a Mayfield. trade. Yeah, Baker Mayfield. Or a trade for maybe a Justin Fields. The Steelers have done business yep. with the Bears. They've actually done some good business when they traded Chase Claypool hey. for a pick that ended up being Joey Porter Jr. That was pretty sweet. That was pretty sweet. I, I, I doubt we're going to get that kind of deal again. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, they've learned I, their lesson. I, I but that, Justin yeah. Fields to the Steelers, is that something that's being talked about? Uh, fans are ready to just sell the farm to get Justin Fields. I mean, they are absolutely – I probably see three or four new Photoshops every day on social media <laughs> of Justin Fields and a Steelers. He'd look good in that uniform. I mean, he, he do, it does look nice. It really does. And, you know, I personally think, and I've talked to our Bears Wire – editor about this and you know uh, my work in draft wire i just did a big seven round mock draft for for them to put up on bears wire and i passed on a quarterback for the bears because i can't imagine they're going to give up on justin fields with a with with a new offensive coordinator coming in but if they did you know entertain trade offers and want to go a different direction i would i would expect the steelers to at least at least be interested you know at least make a phone call the value of a of a quarterback in the NFL is is so magnified at this point. I mean, you you just simply cannot be competitive unless you get high level quarterback play. And I'm not talking about just first round picks. You just have to have high level quarterback play. I mean, it, teams teams that, that had good quarterback play, you know, just week after week, they could if they could if you can count on your quarterback week after week. That's why things were so interesting with Mason Rudolph under there because after that first start. People felt like, hey, we can count on him. You know, we can count on him to come in and make some plays. Do I want that for 17 games next year? No, I, I don't want. I don't want anybody to have that false sense of security that the bottom's not going to drop out for him. So, yeah, I mean, they, they, they've got to get somebody. I, my my philosophy has always been, unless you have a guy like, you know, Joe Burrow or or Patrick Mahomes or whatever, you should draft a quarterback every year. 
you, sh you should always have a new young quarterback in there because you never know when you're going to get a guy that's Brock Purdy or whoever, you know, late in the draft. I would, I would, my third quarterback would always be a young guy every year. And I, I think Pittsburgh has to look at that this year and go, we've got Kenny Pickett. He's a first round pick. We got Mason Rudolph. He was a third round pick, but we still are going to have to address the quarterback position. Justin Fields, what's interesting, Mel Kuyper said something. I almost fell out of my chair. I was watching ESPN, and he said something like, well, the Atlanta Falcons could trade the number eight pick for Justin Fields. I'm like, wait, what? I fell out of my chair. Like, no one's no one's going to trade that high a draft pick for Fields because you don't have no. team control for much longer than two or three years, right? You, If you trade for Justin Fields, you're pretty much going to uh, give him the fifth-year option, right? You're going to have to yeah. do that. And then you can work on the contract going forward, but you only have them under team control for two to three years before yeah. you got to start, you know, franchise tagging them in year three. So if the Bears want to play ball for Fields, I think you can get a package of picks, maybe a player or two in there too, mm -hmm. uh, centered around your second round pick. The Bears don't pick in the second round this year. I think that becomes really interesting. You should have some, yeah. you know, you should have some leverage in negotiations. You shouldn't have to pick, uh, sell number twenty overall, the Steelers, to get Fields. Because you don't have them under team so. control for that long. You know what I mean? You only have them for two years before you got to start franchise tagging them or extending him. So yeah. you talk about a team that needs a leadership on offense. Fields would be that guy, man. He, he's a leader. Yes. Uh, he's, he's a tough kid, a leader. He'll come in and lead the organization. It would be, that would be pretty sweet. But going back to number 20 overall, like that's literally where the Steelers drafted Kenny Pickett. Kurt, right now we're mm -hmm. back in a situation where we're talking quarterback and the Steelers are right there again, right? Like two years ago, they drafted Pickett number 20. Here we are number 20 again. And that's what Steelers fans are sick of, right? They're sick of routinely finishing at or above 500. Uh, and yep. then, but still they haven't won a playoff game in TJ Watts career, right? So that's, uh, right. that's painful. How do you get out of this like football, quote unquote, football purgatory, right? How do you get out of this? I don't want the Steelers to tank, right? I'm a Patriots fan. I hate that the Patriots had to be this bad to finally get the top three pick, right? Because uh, yeah. they they could draft, they could end up with Caleb Williams or Drake May or whoever you're going to mock them on draft wire, Kurt. And I can't mm -hmm. wait to see who your next <laughs> who the next mock draft is <laughs> for my Patriots. But they still have so much work to do. Their team blows on offense. Horrible. They have so much work to do. You don't want to be that bad. You don't want to be that bad. You don't want to be Carolina. You don't no. want to be the Patriots. You want to be the Steelers. But you don't want to be stuck in football purgatory either, Kurt. So, like, right. without tanking, what's the best path forward? Is that being more aggressive in the draft? Is that trading up to get your guys, which they haven't, you know, necessarily done a lot of in the past? Like, what do you think? No. I I, no, I think you hit it right. Exactly right. They're going to have to be if – they, if they identify a quarterback in this draft, you know, whether it's – you know, basically in this draft you've got the big three, you've got – Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels. And then you got a little bit of a gap there. And then you got like Bo Nix and Michael Penix, JJ McCarthy. If one of those three in that next group is, is someone they identify, they have to go up and get him. Just like they went up and got Broderick Jones. They identified him as a guy who could come in and be a contributor and play at a high level. They went up and got him. And I think we can all agree that by the end of the season, Jones was pretty much everything is advertised. Good pick. And so I think it, uh, you know, I think it has to be, and I think, you know, I, I, I keep coming back to this. I think people need to keep in mind that that last year was the first draft that Omar Khan was in charge. 
And so he didn't hesitate to go up and get Broderick Jones. He didn't hesitate to draft Joey Porter Jr., you know, first pick in the second round. Um, I fully expect a far more aggressive approach to the draft again this year. I think we all became kind of lulled to sleep by the Kevin Colbert drafts for so long. They, they were sort of the draft that looked good on paper and typically got kind of middle-of-the-road draft grades, and then you look at them three years in and only one guy's still left on the team. You know, I think I think a lot of people forget – just how many bad drafts in the last eight years the Steelers have had that's contributed to kind of where they are now. Um, so I, I really have high hopes for what Omar Khan's going to do with the draft this year, given how much talent there is in the first round at quarterback. I, I think there, he's going to have some really good, you know, really big decisions to make. If they can't work a deal for Justin Fields, they want to go up and get somebody instead those opportunities are going to be there for them. It's just whether or not the the team feels like they need to make that decision. But I, I certainly hope they at least look at it seriously. Me too. Yeah, I think uh, I think quarterbacks an issue. I think quarterbacks an issue. I think when your quarterback, your 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 quote unquote franchise quarterback, gets healthy and is ready to roll at the end of the season, you say, "No, we're good with Mason. He he had yeah. a good game last week." <laughs> yeah, that's a red flag. Two hundred two hundred eighty yards passing is enough to keep you on the bench. <laughs> and we were yeah, all like, oh, my where, God, that's where Mason. we were at this yeah, point. We, we were yeah. so excited. You know, another thing, we, we've talked about this a little bit, going back to the Tomlin stuff, just the, the football culture, the locker room culture, uh, I think took a step back this year, Kurt. Uh, George Pickens, there was, there was reports on how much money he lost in fines, not only by the NFL, yeah. but by the Steelers for some yeah, of his antics. Team. Yep, yeah. his antics this year, the stuff with Deontay Johnson, uh you know, earlier in the year, Tomlin having to come out, call out effort issues early in the season, and some of that kind of continued to rear its ugly head throughout the season. Uh, how do you address that? You know, what's the first step in addressing the culture issues, right? And what do you do with George Pickens, right? Do you just try to keep – I know the Steelers keep saying, hey, we think we're making progress with him. We think he's on the, the right path. But, you know, what he said after the game was not – that doesn't reflect a player that's – starting to get it, that's starting to be on the right path. He he ripped the refs up and down. He MF'd the refs after the game and blamed them, yeah. which, hey, yeah. yes, he was held, and the refs suck. We all know it. Yeah. But you should be out there being like, I dropped the football in the first half. That killed us. You know, that's that should be somewhere in your commentary. Yeah. Uh, but it's just not. And uh, he's not the only guy. So how do they go about addressing that? And what would you do with George Pickens? Kurt, what do you think? I mean, you got, you got to keep him because he's so talented. I personally think that for me, you know, last year the Steelers brought in a few free agents, um, veteran guys, and I think they felt like these are guys who sort of, you know, embody Steelers culture, um, and that's going to help this because they had so many young guys on the team, and you bring in a Patrick Peterson and a Isaac Siomalo and guys like that, and you think, okay – these guys haven't been with the Steelers, but they're that same kind of mold of a player. Um, so we're, they're going to fit and they're going to help these younger guys. And I just don't think it worked very well. I, I, don't, I don't think it had the impact that they expected it to. Um, and as long as your team, the, the core of guys is very young, 
it's it's going to be very difficult to sort of impress that that Steelers way or whatever you want to call it on them. It may just not ever come back the way it was 10 years ago or 15 years ago. And if they can bring in a couple of veterans that maybe they do a better job, I think Mason Cole is another one that they felt like we're going to bring Mason Cole in and he's kind of a hard-nosed guy and he's going to be, and I think he is a lot of those things. He's just not very good at football. And that's what's kind of hurt him this year <laughs> is that he says all the right things. And I think he has the right attitude. Just he doesn't really show it on the field. And that that's tough for him. I think Simalo had a big speech late in the season that kind of rallied the guys. Maybe he's one that, you know, next year is a, is a bit more of a vocal leader um, on the offense. But defensively, you know, Cam Hayward and TJ Watt are probably the two best guys to be that that leadership role. I've always kind of gotten the impression they're both more lead by action than words type of players. Like I I've never really felt like they're going to go grab somebody by the face mask on the field and kind of shake them up and get them back on track. Um, and so, you know, if you, if you don't have that kind of guy on defense, maybe make a Fitzpatrick takes a bigger role next year. I don't, I don't know, but I, I just think it's going to get harder and harder as you have to depend on younger players every year. It seems like rookies and second-year guys are just playing such a heavy workload on this team um, that it, it's it's kind of hard to, to shake that. The other thing I noticed, Kurt, is you keep mentioning defensive players, right, which makes me a little worried yeah. about the offense. Uh, well, yeah. It's... It makes me lean towards, like, maybe maybe trading for fields or signing a veteran quarterback or something that could come in yeah. and kind of – you just kind of have that voice, that leadership, that, that face of the – the face of the offense kind of guy because yeah. uh, a guy who's won, yeah, you know, bring yeah. in bring in guys who who have won, you know that have that have that have been in that. You know, I, I made a comment. I posted a thing on Twitter the other day. The only two players on this team that were on the team the last time they won a playoff game was Cam Hayward and Chris Boswell. That's wild. Yeah, yeah, those are the only two guys on the team that have ever won a playoff game with the Steelers, and so. You know that's that's tough. You got to bring some guys in that's got a resume that can say, "Look, this is what you have to do to be successful." And if that means you bring a Kirk Cousins in or a Baker Mayfield in, you know, and and bring in a guy who can, you know, be in that leadership role who's who's had success in the postseason. That's the big thing. You know, when you've got two of of fifty three that have that have even won a playoff game with the Steelers, that's that's tough to overcome. That is, yeah. So. So much to unpack. I'm sure, Kurt, you and the, the crew will be unpacking it on Steelers Wire throughout. Oh, here's yeah. here's another question. We can just leave it here. Is the next offensive coordinator of the Steelers in-house, or do you think they go outside? I think they're going to go outside. I, I don't think I don't think they saw nearly enough. At least I, I didn't feel like we saw nearly enough from from the, the coaches who took over um, – to me to warrant giving any of them the full control of the offense. I, I I don't think we saw as many sort of boneheaded plays and and oddball play calls as we did when Matt Canada was in charge. But I think that um, the CBS sports reporter, um, Aditi Kikabala made a good point on a podcast this week. She said that, you know, having covered so many teams over the last 10 years, she said, I've really got to see behind the scenes of what team preparation is like. And she said that she has never seen another team that prepares 
it's passing offense the way the Steelers do. And I don't think that was meant to be a compliment. You know, I don't think that was intended to say that was a good thing. And so I really do think that ultimately Pittsburgh's going to have to bring somebody in who can, who can retool the offense. Um, you know, she, she said this in the context of, of she feels like Kenny Pickett is still the answer and that it was sort of the coaching um, was the reason that he hadn't seen success yet. I don't know if that's true or not, but I do think they're going to have to bring someone in. Um, <clears throat> I mean, you look at the most improved unit on the team this year, and it was probably inside linebacker. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that they brought in an outside coach. They brought in Aaron Curry to coach the inside linebackers. And I think that you can look at that and go, if they bring somebody in who can coach up this offense, um, that's going to that's gonna make a huge difference. And it may save Kenny Pickett. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think no matter what, Kenny Pickett will be in the mix, right, when we get to training yeah. camp. Uh, he'll be in the mix. Is he going to be the guy? Uh, it's a, that's a big question. It's one that yeah. we'll be answering, and we'll get some clarity, I think, once we hit free agency. We'll, we'll get a lot of uh, a lot of clarity there. Um, and this is, oh, you yeah. know... It won't take long. It, no, it won't. And this it sucks the season's over, Kurt, but this is kind of the fun part of the year, right? You get to the Super Bowl, oh, sure. and then we start talking free agency in the draft. And I know you're, you're working about as hard on draft wire as you are on Steelers wire these days, right? What did you tell me? You, you did a seven-round lock for every team that got a new coach so far? Yeah, every 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 one of them that got a new coach, I kind of broke down sort of uh, my philosophical approach. You know, a lot of times when new coaches come in, you look at you know new t- new coach, new quarterback, new whatever, and mm-hmm. all those teams needed a quarterback, and so I kind of broke some of that down. But it's a lot of study. It's not just studying prospects; it's studying rosters of all thirty-two teams and for sure. Who's coming and going? So it's a it's a lot of work, but I I love the draft so. Doesn't bother me at all. I'm hoping my Patriots can be with Gerard Mayo and maybe Caleb Williams. I don't know whoever it ends up being. Uh, Do they trade up? I could give you some spoilers, but they, <laughs> in in the one I did for them, they did not draft a quarterback in the first round. Oh, they got lucky me. in the second. So. <laughs> okay, I like that. I like that. I'm hoping they can get their quarterback Kurt and be Gerard Mayo, Caleb Williams. Can they be D'Amico Ryan's and uh, and uh, C.J. Stroud, you know that C.J. thing? C.J. Stroud, Yeah, we, go. we're going to try to pull that thing off and get back to the playoffs next year. I don't know about it. I think, I think the Steelers are going to be much better than the Patriots in 2024. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm not, I'm not going to dare say that right now. <laughs> yeah. No way. Believe you don't want to be as bad as the Pats are on offense. The Steelers are, are making the Patriots look like they're in the 1950s right now. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's always fun. Kurt, it's been a fun year. Um, and I'll just say to the folks listening, uh, we appreciate you for – Hop it on board throughout the season, playoffs, and stick with us in the offseason too. Tell a friend. Again, if you haven't subscribed and this is your first time, subscribe so you can get our shows. Might be a little bit more random in the offseason. When news breaks, we'll hop on here and record, but otherwise won't be necessarily weekly. But we will be back. Kurt's too good at this stuff. We got we to be back to talk <laughs> free agency in the draft, and we hope you join us. Uh, Kurt, you want to say goodbye to the people? Hey, thanks for everything, guys. We'll be seeing you in the offseason. season. <laughs>